0: Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast Podcast. Podcast. with Tony Marinero.
2: 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and
1: 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur. Coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it in to the mare back to Le Smur.
0: The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I, you're in the...
0: Ah! Sports entertainment like no other.
2: Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une face devant. Et c'est la mort, mais c'est le cas.
0: Ce sera la
2: victoire des Canadiens. Pour le pour les
1: Canadiens, le 3e de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, You found the dogs! Marinaro on this uh, Tuesday night. It is April 25th, one minute past 10 o'clock. And uh, I'm a little bit disappointed because I had the game between Carolina and the New York Islanders going over the five mark, which was the over-under. I looked at it this morning and I said, yeah, it won't be a high-scoring game. But you know what? If Carolina comes out and wins this game, they're probably going to have to open it up. The Islanders are going to have no other choice but to, you know, try and open it up themselves to get back in the game. So it's going to go over five. And and instead, uh, what I didn't want to happen, happened. It was the Islanders that took the lead in this hockey game. And they tightened up and bottled down and played defensive. And Carolina could only muster two goals. And the game finishes by a score of three to two with just my luck because uh, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes pulled the goalie with like 235 or 238 left in regulation. I was there crossing my fingers hoping that there was going to be an empty net goal or an equalizer. And in the end, it turns out uh, there was neither. All right. So they win by a score of three to two, the Dallas stars. Uh, so the Islanders avoid l- elimination. The Dallas stars are uh, up by a score of three to nothing after two versus Minnesota. Of course, that series is tied at two. And the other one that's tied at two between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings, they are, uh, Eight minutes into period number one, and this one is scoreless right now. In case you're wondering, Stuart Skinner is your goalie for the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, he was pulled last game, and uh, they brought in Campbell, and maybe some of you wondered what was going to happen. Well, they decided to go back with Skinner, uh, which, you know what? Uh, Is it a good decision or not? I can give you an opinion, but we'll know for certain at the end of the game. It's the Sick Podcast brought to you in part by... La Beta TV, so good that I needed twelve today instead of one. Brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. The Edmonton Orders have just taken a one nothing lead. I'll get to it in a second. Energy Transportation Group is a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. And uh, let me see just here. Uh, okay, it looks like it's Evander Kane who's got the goal. Evander Kane uh, puts the Edmonton Orders up by a score of one to nothing. Evander Kane, the same Evander Kane, who, by the way, uh, tied the game up with a huge goal last game in game number four. And I have to tell you, uh, based on what we've heard about Evander Kane and um, and some of his antics and some of the videos that we've seen on social media, um, I'm not a fan. Uh, so I'm not going to lie to you; uh, just not a fan. And I wasn't crazy about the Edmonton Orders giving him this opportunity. Um, but I have to tell you that uh, if you're going to look at just you know from a hockey perspective and what he's done, he's now scored the two biggest goals in this series for the Edmonton Orders, or two of the biggest. Uh, because, of course, the overtime winner last game was even bigger. But, uh, you know, Evander Kane ties up the game last game and uh, gives the Edmonton Oilers a lead in game number five. So two big goals by him. Hey, I had an interesting afternoon slash night uh, earlier this evening as uh, I had a chance to meet the Nelk boys, if we can bring it up. Um, I would think that most of you watching know who they are. Uh, that's Kyle on the left and that's Steiny on the right. They are the Nelk boys. Uh, they started off pretty much uh, doing videos and stuff like that on uh, TikTok, uh, doing some, uh, some crazy funny stuff. And, uh, they got a lot of, you know, they got noticed and uh, there was a lot of, and, uh, they basically got scouted. And, uh, you know, a couple of people, uh, influential people saw them and said, Hey, um, these guys got something. And then, uh, the Paul brothers saw them and brought them to the attention of, uh, uh, someone else. And then someone else saw them and said, Hey, I, I, I like what these kids are doing on TikTok and, uh, talk to a family member about them. And, uh, then they brought them on board and they are the Nelk boys and, uh, they host the full send podcast and, I watch a couple of podcasts right now. Um, the one that I watch the most often is uh full send the neck, the neck boys. Uh, I think they're, this is what I like about them. Um, they're authentic. They're genuine. When it's time to laugh, they laugh when it's time to joke, they joke when it's time to be serious. They're serious. Uh, they're real. Uh, they can get, uh, they can get emotional. Um, they're just, they're just down to earth, real people. And, uh, it's, what you see is not an act. It's, uh, it's who they are. And when they have fun, they really have fun. Um, they walk a real fine line. They never really go over it. Um, they do some stuff that's really funny. They do some stuff that gets them a lot of views. Uh, you know, they met real interesting people. Uh, clearly they have great contacts. They've had great interviews I just, I really like the way they do their podcast. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan, big, big fan uh, of the way they do their podcast. I, um, I, I watched, once again, a lot of their stuff. And so uh, I found out that they were in town. And as a matter of fact, they were uh, interviewing George St. Pierre, who's appeared on the Sick podcast before. And um, it all took place at TriStar on Ferrier. And uh, so I went down with one of my boys who's also a big fan who likes their stuff as well. And we had a chance to uh, chat with them uh, for, you know, meet them and chat with them for a little bit. And uh, that's it. They were out of here right after that and they made their way to Ohio. So it was, it was nice. And uh, if they ever see this, uh, hello, Kyle, hello, Stiney. And it was nice to meet you. And I hope we can, uh, who knows, maybe even hook up the next time you come to Montreal, even though I know that uh, you know, you guys won't be bored because you guys really know how to have a good time. And I'm sure that uh, you're already going to have plans, but who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe we'll see each other next time around. I want to bring in for the very first time on the sick podcast. This is long overdue. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I think this young man is a tremendous talent. I think he's going to be on the air for a very, very long time. And uh, he's got a talent. You want to know what the talent is? And, um, Claude Mayotte used to have this talent. Claude Mayotte was very, very versatile. Uh, In French, the term is polyvalent. This gentleman that I'm going to bring in, uh, he can, if you ask him to be the voice of the Laval Rocket, he could be the voice of the Laval Rocket. If you ask him to be the voice of a big boxing gala that's taking place anywhere in the province of Quebec, if you ask him uh, to, um, to be the voice of, you know, to do an Alouettes game, to do a CF Montreal game, and He probably hasn't done either, but I know he can. Uh, If you would ask him to, you know, do the play-by-play of uh, an Olympic event, uh, he could do it. Any event, if you would, uh, uh, if someone would call in sick and uh, an hour before the event, you needed somebody to fill in, he can fill in and he can pull it off. He's that good. He's a natural. He's a, I'm not going to call him a a young up-and-coming talent because he's already arrived. And uh, once again, um, the future is bright for him. Anthony Mercat of BPM Spar, the voice of the Laval Rocket, and the, look, he's not surprised that I said that because the last time I saw him, which was a long time ago, I think it was at the uh, the launch of BPM Spar at the Montreal Casino. I went up to him and I told him exactly what I just said right now on the air, so he doesn't look surprised. Anthony Kamasava.
2: Ça va très bien, Tony. What an introduction. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the best intro I've ever gotten. So that's uh well, that's tremendous. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, you it. You don't have us.
1: to thank me. You know, they say respect is earned, it's not given, and I think you've earned it, and that's why I said it. Uh, so thank you. Thank uh, you. When, I've uh, been
2: working on that, on this craft for a long time, as yeah. you know it. I've been studying what I do for a long time, watching games on TV, listening to them on the radio. Um and I'm a sports fan first and foremost. So I love sports. I love the emotions and uh, I'm not only a hockey guy, I can do pretty much everything like you said, and I like it a lot. So uh, I think people uh, recognize it and uh, I think it's really fun.
1: Fantastic stuff. All right. Okay. So, you know, uh, I had a chance to see you last week at TVS spa and uh, there were, um, you know, it was the end of the Laval Rockets regular season. And, uh, and I said to you, I said, Anthony, what's your schedule look like next week? And you said, Tony, well, they're in that series versus Utica. And whether they win or lose, I will be available Monday, Tuesday. Now, if they win, I'm not going to be available after Monday. But unfortunately, they lost. So anyway, Tuesday it was. It all worked out because uh, tomorrow, Wednesday night, I don't know if we have it already because I just asked for it. But if we do, let's bring it up. And if we don't, I'll just talk about it. Tomorrow, Wednesday night on the Sick Podcast, Michael Matheson will join me tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. So Montreal Canadiens defenseman Michael Matheson. Very much looking forward to that conversation. I saw Michael, uh, what was it, about a week ago uh, at at, uh, St. Gabriel's elementary school in uh, Point St. Charles, and um, he was there uh, on Monday of last week, so eight days ago, and uh, he went to see the kids, and we had a great conversation, we spent some time together, and uh, I said, Mike, I said, you know, this is the second time I'm interviewing you, and he said, yeah, I know, I remember, and I said, "Uh, so you remember the first time? He said, yes, I do. I said, it was about 12 or 13 years ago, you were a Sec 3 or Sec 4 student at John Rennie High School in Point Clair, you're part of the Spotted Tud program, you were playing hockey there, and uh, there was a, a fair, uh, an open house at St. J- uh, uh, John Rennie High School. and I went down and I, uh, you know, I asked to, to speak to somebody, uh, an athlete involved in the Spotted Tut program, program. The powers that be of the school, they gave me Michael Matheson. It's now 2 1 for uh, the Edmonton Orders. Uh, so the Orders, after scoring first, scored second. And now the Los Angeles Kings have uh, narrowed that lead to two one, and it looks like is that Ayafalo? Uh, yeah, it looks like it's Ayafalo. All right, okay. And um, you know, the school gave me Michael Matheson. I remember interviewing him, and uh, everyone, you know, the school told me this guy's going to play in the National Hockey League grande. day. Uh, Anthony uh, mature beyond his years when he walked away. I was like, man, you know, this guy's like fifteen years old and he's more mature than me. And back in you know at that time, I was like thirty seven or whatever it was. And uh, so, you know what? No surprise. He is playing in the National Hockey League. He's become a pretty good defenseman. Hey, Anthony?
2: Oh, yeah. He's been a pretty good defenseman in the NHL. The memories I have about Mike Madison was when he was available to the QMJHL entry draft. He was, I think, the mo- the, the best prospect available for that draft. But he told everyone that he wanted to play college hockey. And um, and sometimes uh, uh, Quebec kids use this as leverage to choose their hockey clubs in yeah. the queue. It's, yeah. it's been going on forever.
1: Yeah, but it's like uh, don't draft me; I'm going to the states. That's and then right. You know, their that's agent right. whispers to another team, "Hey, by the way, if you end up getting your hands on him, he's going to come to you. That's the team he wants to go to."
2: That's right. Uh, but Madison, all this ground, I think Shawinigan drafted him in the second round. They had discussions with him. He took the time to listen to what they they got to offer, but finally decided to go to college r- route, and it was an excellent avenue for him. Yeah, he became an NHL defenseman, and what a great sport he is! I think he really embraces the uh, the chance that he has to play in Montreal, and he's been really good when healthy this year, and um, he's going to be really good for those young defensemen coming up in the ranks next year, and for the foreseeable future as well.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. And you know, Anthony, there's an avenue for every player. For some, it's the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. For others, it's the OHL. For others, it's the WHL. For others, it's the U.S. National Development Program. For others, it's with uh, you know a college or a university or whatever. The Edmonton Orders have just made it 3-1. to one. I mean, the floodgates are open uh, in Edmonton. My God, is it Brett Kulak that just scored? Brett Kulak just gave the Edmonton Orders a 3 1 lead. Uh, my buddy Andrea Della from Prima Luna, who's uh, friends with Brent Kulak, must be uh, over the moon right now because Andrea was actually uh, in Edmonton and he stayed with Brett Kulak a couple of weeks ago at Brett's place. All right. So Andrea must be over the moon. Who uh, gave me a call yesterday and said, uh, I'm thinking of going to Boston for round two. Do you want to come with me? And I said, Yeah, sure. Let's go. So, Andrea's uh, good friends with Jim Montgomery as well, and chances are I might be in Boston next week. We'll see what happens. Anyway, um, I want to get back to Mike Matheson, who chose the route to go to the United States. He went one year with Dubuque, and then after that, I believe it was Boston College for a couple of years, right? Uh, This is the way I look at it, Anthony, and I'd love to have your thoughts on this. If you're a really, really good player who wants to be one of the best and you need to play a lot of hockey... You gotta look at junior hockey if you're a skilled player who wants to play a lot of hockey. If you're a player uh, who's gonna need some time uh, at the, at that point uh, uh, for either your 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 body or your game or both to come around, at that time, it's a good route to go to the United States. And Mike Matheson, as you know, as much as playing a lot of hockey games is is a good thing for some players' careers. At the same time, you know the drawbacks that come with it. You're not spending a lot of time in the gym. You are spending a lot of time in buses, less time in classrooms. Homework is being done on the bus. And um, it's it's hard to keep up the speed. And uh, once again, it's hard to fill out your body. But if you go to the States and you play maximum 40 games a year, Anthony, you're spending a lot of time in the gym. You're working on your body. Um, you know, you have time. You don't have to rush your career. You have time, and there's a there's a good league, and there's a there's a good place for everyone. And Mike Matheson, clearly, you look at his career right now. You have to say he made the right choice for him, right? Yep,
2: yeah, and I'll tell you a simple thing, uh, Tony. I, I've been involved in the queue uh, for a long time, over ten years, uh, calling games for four different teams. So I've I've been involved in this league, and I know what what the good good things are, and what could be improved. I think it's a really good league. But now, uh, as I've been involved with um, Laval for the last six years, I've seen both ways, the junior way and the college way. And I think both are good. So at least for our kids, they have options. And I think it's a good thing to listen to them, what they have to offer and what the the young hockey player really wants. if if he wants to stay close from his home and play in an excellent league, well, the queue is maybe a good avenue for him. But if he wants to uh, improve himself in different ways, uh, go studying in English, uh, improve that language, uh, there could be a ton of other avenues in the U.S. But at least our kids in 2023, they have options. And if they can have a full scholarship, well – I think it's a good thing to listen to.
1: Yeah, 100%. The sick podcast with Tony Marineros. Task cam equipment is supplied by Ericsson Audio, the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals. Uh, I brought you on because I want to talk about the Laval Rocket. We'll talk about the Montreal Canadiens as well. Of course, I know you follow closely. Anyone who covers the Rocket has to. Why don't we do this? And Yellow and Sammy and Master Control bring up uh, the uh, the stats for the players. And uh, we have a couple of charts here. And uh, we're going to start on top with Anthony Richard. 30 goals, 37 assists, 67 points in 60 games. Let's talk about the regular season before we get to the playoffs, if we can. Anthony, I have to tell you, when Richard got called up with the Canadians, I loved what I saw. I saw NHL pace. I saw NHL explosiveness. I saw NHL speed and I saw an NHL wrist shot. And, um, but, you know, you, you have to, it doesn't, you know, out of all the players that got called up, this is the one who went back down a little bit more often. This is the one who didn't seem to be in the plans, at least not just yet, anyway. My question to you is simple Is Anthony Richard one of those players, Ala Corey Locke, Peter White? Uh, who were maybe too good for the AHL or like elite in the AHL, but missing a little something to make it to the National Hockey League. We call those tweeners. Is he a tweener or will Anthony Richard be playing in the National Hockey League next year, if not with the Montreal Canadiens somewhere else?
2: Well, that's an excellent question and I can't really answer because uh, Anthony Richard has been a dominant player in the AHL for only two years. So... It's not like he's been dominating forever. Um, it's, it's his best season this year for sure with 30 goals, um, 37 assists. He was stellar all year for the Rocket, uh, bringing offensive on a regular basis. He was the go-to guy offensively all year. Um, and like you said, legit speed, explosiveness. Clearly, uh, he has an A-plus. Uh, he has A-plus skating abilities. That could make him an NHL player. Um, is he st- good? Is he good enough to be playing on a top nine? Because he's an offensive guy. So if you want to bring him in the NHL, I think he needs to play on a top nine. So that's tough to see. Mm-hmm. Especially he's, he's getting up there in age. It's always possible if you can seize your chance when the the door is open. Yeah. But I can't like put my hand in the fire and tell you well. I see an NHL regular right now in Anthony Richard.
1: All right. We take a look at the other players um, Peter Abandonado, Mitchell Stevens, Joel Teasdale, Xavier Simono, Brandon Gignac, Pierre uh, Dubé. Is, is there one uh, out of those players that we should talk about here for XYZ reason? Because well, I think doesn't... the last
2: one on the list, Pierre-Éric Dubé has been really impressive. Because he's oh, yeah? only 21, um, you, you see the 44 games that he played. Uh, it's because he spent a lot of time in trois rivieres this year, signed a contract early on, and when a few players came back from Montreal, there were no place left for Dubé. So they sent him to, in trois rivieres for three weeks or so. And then when he uh, he got called back up, uh, yeah. started in the fourth line, but he became, especially down the stretch, uh, a really good offensive weapon for Jean-François Hul. 16 goals, uh, many important goals in those 16 goals. Um, I see uh, a spark plug for a team, uh, a guy that can chip in offensively. Um, he's pretty fast, but he's still young and raw, a uh, small player. Anthony, but it I sounds like it sounds
1: like you're talking about Rafael Arvi Pinar.
2: Well, they have a different kind of game. Uh okay. Dube is not a kind of guy that will go each and every time in front of the net, crash the goalies, and take it, taking up the rebounds. I think Dubé has a better shot and he can use it from the top circle. Uh that's what that's where they played him uh on the second wave of the power play at the end, and he was pretty good scoring important goals. So mm-hmm. I think Dubé... Uh, on a two-way AHL-CHL deal this year was really important for this team. Yeah. And if I'm Montreal, I'm thinking about an NHL contract with him.
1: Don't look now, but Adrian Kempe has narrowed the lead to 3-2 as he goes upstairs on Stuart Skinner. Uh, my God, this the floodgates have opened in Edmonton. And I'll say this, um, high-scoring games obviously can go either way. But if you're going to beat the Edmonton Oilers, probably not a good idea to be involved in an offensive hockey game. But... It is the Los Angeles uh, Kings who scored the last goal of this game. And so once again, they trail by a score of three to two. Okay. Um Xavier Simono. Obviously, um, you know, we 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 love to talk about they got Talk to me about Xavier Simono before we move on.
2: Excellent start for him. Uh he played most of his games on the top six uh in the first part of the year. Uh, but uh, for it, um, it was bad luck receiving a, a slap shot, or a, a, it was a high stick from Joel Teesdale in December
1: oh, and really? that
2: really punished him in the face. He got a fractured nose, um, well, facial injury, wow. and uh, he missed uh, over a month. And he, and when he came back, I don't know why, but it didn't have the same impact on the hockey game like he had in the first part of the year. Uh, Is it because the pace uh, took another notch or something? I don't have the answer about it, but he was the first to admit uh, at the end of the season review that uh, he could have been better down the stretch. And I think he he got to be better uh, along the boards, one-on-one battles. This is clearly something that he needs to improve. He's a small player, but um, he was productive when he was in good shape at the beginning of the season. And now he has an NHL contract uh, for the next two years. So there's still lots of development in front of him. And yeah. he will be a part of the top nine next year for sure. Uh, and I see um, a good amount of improvement uh, down the down the line for Xavier Simono.
1: Yeah, listen, Anthony, I'm not saying that this is the case because I would imagine that Xavier Simonot has uh, suffered injuries prior to the one that you just talked about because when you play hockey and you're in your 20s, uh, for sure you've had your fair share of injuries. and uh, and uh, But some players, um, once they suffer an injury, no matter what the injury is, some of them just don't come back the same way. And that's when you really start to figure out um, a lot about players and some of them you can tell will end up going further than others. Maybe it's not the case for Simoneau. I'm not saying that it is, but it probably could be that. If you're saying that he got hurt and then when he came back, was it the pace, was it this, was it that, was it the team? Who knows? Joel Teasdale, we had a chance to see him. He's another great story. But uh, clearly, it looks like a one-off, right? For the Canadians, would uh, Joel? Yeah, it, it
2: looks like it. It looks like it. Um, Joel has been out for two seasons for a major right knee uh, surgeries. Uh, pretty much the same thing as Andre Markov back in the days. Wow, he had pretty the same thing, two different but the same injury to his right knee. He wasn't a really good skater uh, before getting that injuries. And now, well, he's still a subpar skater in the AHL. But like Joel Bouchard told us uh, about his play, he's a unicorn. He's a guy that plays different. Yeah. Really strong down the ball, uh, along the boards, protects the puck well. He's really, really strong. Can have a good shot too. Good yeah. physical presence in front of the net. But does he have enough to play in the NHL? I don't think so because of his speed. He, he, he lacks speed for sure. But yeah. 23 goals, he can be a force definitely in the AHL. But like, like you, like we saw at the end of the season, yeah. down the line, when uh, the pace uh, picked up a, a few notches, he was uh, let down to the fourth line. And that's because he was struggling a little bit to generate offense. So yeah. that's how I can see Teasdale, a guy that can be an excellent player in the AHL, but clearly lacking speed to play on a regular basis in the NHL.
1: Yeah, and obviously the National Hockey League is one step quicker, one step faster than the AHL is. And you know what they say, Anthony, if you can't skate at an NHL level, like forget about it. It's not going to happen. All right, next. We wish him the best, though. Uh, Let's bring up the next chart of the players uh, with the most amount of points after Pierre-Exupé at 32. Uh, Chart number two has, okay, Madison Bowie, Danik Martel, Emil Heinemann, Jan Misak, Olivier Gallipo, Otto Leskinen, <clears throat> Nate Schar, who was involved in the deal, Riley McKay, and, um, and Frederic Allard, who we saw late in the season. Danik Martel, his share of injuries, his share of concussions. Jean Francois Hull said at the end of the year that he had a heart to heart chat with Danik Martel. And when asked if Danik Martel is going to be back next year, he said, I don't think so. Talk to me about everything this young man's been through because if he didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. He got injured in a fight, actually, uh, in Abbotsford uh, at the beginning of December when the season was going nowhere for the Laval Rockets. So he was, he was the kind of guy that really wanted to spark things up um, maybe changed the momentum of a hockey game dropped the dropped this glove and he in he, he really fell down awkwardly on the ice and got a concussion and it wasn't his first like you said a history of concussions for martel um how many has, had, use, how many is, has his, he had how many has he had you know i don't know but uh, a couple of them in the, in the junior ranks for sure um like, like a, I, I, I talked to him heart-to-heart, uh, heart, uh, I think, when he was on the shelf, and it was a tough season for him, really looking everywhere to see how he could come back from those injuries and be an impact player like he thinks he can have in the AHL, but it was mm-hmm. such a bad season for him in all senses of the world. Um, was on the fourth line for most of the season, got healthy scratches many times, um in the first part of the season, then he got injured, and when he came back well uh, he, the team was looking for a role to give him, so wish him all the best great kid, but I think uh, uh the the end is near for him in the e h l and I think Europe could be um the next the next thing for him in his career
1: folks, how are you liking Anthony Martte so far uh the voice of the Laval rocket at b p m Spa I told you. This guy is versatile. This guy is good. He calls it the way he sees it. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He'll give you his honest opinion. He's well-spoken. He's fully bilingual. I love this guy. I'm telling you, this guy is absolutely fantastic. And for those who are not aware of him, I'm glad that I can introduce him here on the podcast. Emil Heinemann, 11 games, 7 goals. When he was acquired... In that deal, uh, I believe it was the the Calgary Flames deal for Tyler Toffoli, if memory serves me well. You're right. Um, you know, I inquired, and I was told, Tony, this guy's got an NHL wrist shot. This guy can release the puck. This guy can score goals. Let's see what happens. I take a look at the stats. He's got 7-11. Uh, whoever was talking to me was right. This guy can score. This guy can shoot you had a chance to call his game. So you saw him a lot more uh, closely than any of us did.
2: The shot is lethal. You're right. I think he has the second best shot that we've seen in six years in Laval behind Cole Caulfield. So that's not too bad. Wow. Uh, The puck goes off his stick really quickly. Um, We saw a slap shot, but it's it's really a wrist shot that blows our minds. Um, he scored seven and eleven, but he was seven and seven at the beginning. So he had an impact from the get-go. They played him with Pierrick Dubé, and they had lots of success together. But he cooled down at the end, uh, the last three, re- the, the, the three remaining games of the regular season, and then in the playoffs, he was a non-factor. So is this um, something that you should keep in mind uh, in September for training camp? Maybe. But what I saw in that small, um, like the 11 games that we saw and then the two pre- postseason games afterwards, I think uh, shows us that this guy is really close from the NHL, first of all, uh, not only his shot, but mm-hmm. physicality as well, uses his stick well, responsible like most Swedish player can be. So I really like him. Uh, and I see NHL potential, yeah. and I don't see him – for, uh, don't see him playing in Laval for most of the season next year. I think he may start in Laval, but he will quickly be one of the first call-ups and stay in Montreal for the rest of the year.
1: All right, okay. Uh, There are some players that we missed out on. I think we skipped a couple of steps, which I'm going to get to in a second. But uh, since we have this chart up here, Jan Misak, I mean, those are disappointing numbers. Five goals in 40 games, nine points in 40 games. that's disappointing.
2: Yeah, well, um, he was injured, missed a month and a half, two months for mm-hmm. lower body injury. He worked a lot to come back a better player. And I think he had a lot of uh of things to improve, especially along the boards where he lost most of his battles. So that's a that's a thing that he really needed to improve. Uh needed to be better on a face off dot as well, to be a centerman uh in the pro ranks. Um they mostly used him as a centerman, but oftentimes they would move him to the wing for taking face off because he was not really comfortable uh, on the face-off dot. Um, I think there's uh, still two years left in this uh, on his contract. So I-, I I don't feel the need to panic with him, but you're right. This is uh, these are subpar numbers. I expected more. Uh, uh, but is there more to be offered? I I, I'm not sure. I'm really not yeah. sure. Yeah. I think we can. They, 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 they didn't give him any power play minutes, but I don't think it was deserving to. So how do I how do we see Meshak in yeah. this picture for the NHL? I'm not really sure, but he's still young at 21 years old.
1: Yeah. Um, Frederick Allard, uh, two goals in 40 games, but we saw him score one with the Canes. and This guy can shoot the puck.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, It's tough to evaluate uh, the case of Fred Allard. Uh, This is a guy that I know him well, uh, played in the junior ranks with me for four years. Then he made the step to the AHL, played in Milwaukee for for a couple of years, uh, got acquainted with uh, Anthony Richard, which is uh, one of his best friends. But uh, when he arrived in Laval, they didn't have any role to give him. Uh, there were six or seven defensemen in front of him that they wanted to see on the ice on a regular uh, basis, and he played almost uh, the identical number of games in Montreal than he actually played in Laval. But when they needed him, they sent him there, uh, they sent him on the ice, uh, in Utica on uh, Friday night, and he scored the only goal of the series. Wow! So, uh, a uh, surprising story, uh, uh end of a season that, uh, um, I don't think Fred uh, really expected it. Um, And I don't know what the plans are for him. Was he just a throwaway in a deal? Uh, There were no plans for him in Ontario with the Los Angeles Kings system. They sent him here because maybe he was a Quebec defenseman and uh, um, the Rocket was looking for uh, uh, a trade involving Nationar. So I don't know. Uh, He doesn't have a contract for next year. So does he still figure in those plans I don't have an answer for
1: it. The only goal of the playoffs, of course, because the two games they did play in the playoffs, it was a best of three. They were eliminated. They lost the first two games to the Utica Comets. They uh, they lost in Laval by a score of four to nothing. They went to Utica. They were up by a score of one to nothing on a goal by Allard. And then with two seconds left in regulation, Two seconds left. Utica ties it, and then they win it in overtime. All right, okay. We have a bunch of other players we have to get to. If we can, you take your sip of water. Let's go to them right now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. You said it's the second best shot you've seen in Laval in the last six years behind Cole Caulfield. This kid's got a surprisingly very, very hard shot too, Yulonan does.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, from the right side, um, he needs to be in good position to shot the puck. Uh, but Einemann doesn't need a lot of space to shoot. from. The, I got it. Uh, from the slot as well. We saw him score the goal. like He didn't, didn't have any time to shoot, but he was able to do it and shooting it uh, top corner. So that's why it's a little bit different. Yeah, Erlonen is really menacing on the power play. When he has the, ch- the chance to uh, um, to go with a slap shot from the top circle, he can be dangerous. Um, we saw some good flashes from him in Montreal, in, in, uh, in a place down the road where there was some spots in the top nine in Montreal for him. So they played him a lot. But can he... Stay there for uh, many years. I don't think so. I don't see uh, a consistent level of play from Olinen since he became a member of the Montreal Canadiens organization. And even in Laval, he could be on the tear for a week and cool down for a week, then come back with a few goals where we don't see him at all in a hockey game. So can he be consistent in the NHL on a regular basis? I have my doubts.
1: Yeah, Raphael R.V. Pinard, I mean, what a season he had for Laval. 31 points in 40 games. What was even more impressive is sometimes players go up to the big league. They play with different players. Sometimes the style of play actually suits them better than the American Hockey League does. And they'll actually look better at the National Hockey League level. I think RHP is in that category where he looks better in the National Hockey League than he looked in Laval. Some people probably would have doubted that at the beginning, maybe about a year ago or two years ago. But, man, he was on fire when he joined the Montreal Canadiens. And, Anthony, I love so many things about him. Um, Focused, hardworking, determined, all the stories you hear about him, working a couple of jobs, you know, uh, in the offseason season. Um, one of those kids who wasn't drafted in the first time around, second time around, and he's a seventh-round pick. The Canadians probably, probably, they picked him because, you know, they wanted to show that they were giving a chance to a kid, the gut she knew, and then he ends up being as good as he has been, where people are talking about whether or not he can play on a line with Caulfield and Suzuki next year. Like, that conversation has taken place, whether it happens or not. But, you know, when he went down to Laval, Anthony, a lot of the new generation a lot of this younger generation, they're not exactly the hardest workers in the world, with all due respect. And some of them, they feel entitled. They've, uh, they've played at the pro level. Oh, I'm not going to go down. And I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you one thing. I saw this last year with some pros. And I'm not talking about hockey. But I saw this last year with some pros who were called down to go play with the second team. And they wanted no part of that second team. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something else. Are you ready for this? Let's speak Now Now you're going to freak out. The players that were called down to the second team, they didn't even want to go change in the dressing room with the reserve team players because they're pros. And they changed in another dressing room. They were in another dressing room before the game, and they went to that other dressing room after the game. Raphael R.V. Pinard, when the Canadians sent him down, the next day he had microphones in his face in Laval. And you know what was the first things that he said? I'm happy to be here. And it could be interpreted the wrong way because some people, cynics, might say, what do you mean you're happy to be here? You're in Laval. But he knew that he was going down there to help. He knew that he was going down there because they needed his help. And you know what? He didn't give sixty percent or seventy. He gave one hundred and twenty percent, like he does all the time. I love this kid. His parents did an amazing job with him. Amazing.
2: You're absolutely right, and um, what you said doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I'm a little shocked, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, but Rafael, I mean, uh, he's perfect. I doesn't. I, I don't see any mistakes or habits that he needs to change. He's a professional uh, full circle. And you're right. When he came back, the first thing like he said, he really said it, I'm happy to be here because he understood why he was going down. He really wanted to, if it, if it was his last uh, time spent in the AHL with the Laval Rocket, at least... Well, for the fans, he would let a good memory of himself playing for the Rocket. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, just like Jake Evans, developed in the organization. People watched him play, improved a lot, and now he's knocking on the door. And yeah. I think he's already an NHL player. And you're right. Uh, he, maybe uh, in the playoffs, it didn't come his way. He didn't score goals, but uh, 100% effort. And he was probably the most pissed off guy in that dressing room on Friday night Mm. to have lost that hockey game. He really believed that the team could make a run like like they did last year. But it didn't happen this year. Wish him all the best because I really think he played his last game in Laval.
1: Well, if I would have told you that out of this Laval Rocket roster, there was going to be a player that in his first NHL game was going to score a goal on his first NHL shot. Would you have thought I was talking about Lucas Condotta? (laughs) Never. Très
2: surprenant. Très surprenant. Great kid. Like We just talked about Rafael Arvipina. Well, I think Lucas Lucas Condotta is uh, pretty much the same. Was a captain at UMass Lowell, um, scored big goals for them. Uh, Laval signed him on an NHL contract last year, a a contract that became an NHL contract for this year. Yeah, Um, he cooled down at the end of the year, but at least 16 goals uh, is pretty good for Lucas Condada, the only one who played the 72 games in Laval. And we had it one with Montreal at the end. So pretty good season for him, but he doesn't have a contract for next year. So what the what the the Canadians have in mind with him, I really don't know. Um just like Joel Teesdale, I don't see skating ability uh, for the NHL in Condada. Really yeah. good along the boards, pretty physical, uh, good leader, but I think is an AHL prospect or AHL player, pretty good AHL yeah. player.
1: I don't know if Alex Belzil is going to be with the Montreal Canadiens next year because he could be a number 13 guy. And you know what? He would be ideal at it too, because he's older in his age. I think he's 31 years old and his ceiling, he's already hit it. He's not going to get better as a hockey player. What you see is what you get. And you know, he doesn't look at a place and down the stretch, I think he showed us a pretty good wrist shot and ability to score goals as well. Energy guy on the fourth line. And, He's just, he's always got a smile on his face, and you could tell he loves the game. He wouldn't be the first one who ends up getting called up at probably age 30 or 31 and ends up sticking around. I think Matthew Darsh had like a similar type of career. Uh, last year, uh, there was uh, Laurent Dauphin came up, a little bit older as well, and he looked pretty good. This year, he's not on the team, of course, but you know, um, I, it could go to Pizzetta, that job next year, but I'm going to tell you this. Every time I see footage of the locker room that they make us privy to some footage, Belzil is like a joker in the room. He's having fun, he's laughing, and you can tell Belzil's good for the room.
2: Oh, for sure. Um, you see it right. I think you prefer, as a head coach, to have a guy like Belzil uh, instead of guys who will pout to be left in the stands or play on the fourth line. Uh, That will never be the case for Alex Belzil. He enjoys life, loves hockey, wants to get involved in hockey. Uh, Many years after his career, I think I I see a head coach in Alex Belzil after his career. And I really think the Montreal Canadiens will keep him really close from them when he will retire, because I think he has a legit, they have a legit coach inside their organization right now. Um, what you a know guy! What? You know uh, what?
1: Put him on the staff in Laval.
2: Why? Why not? Why not? Why not? He could be an assistant coach and uh, and see him uh, uh, climbing the ranks really quickly. Yeah, everyone likes Alex Belzil. He's yeah. so uh, he's so good for everyone. Uh, tremendous presence in the in the room. Great captain. Speaks well to the media. Uh, just doesn't sugarcoat anything. Uh, plays the game right. Can get under your skin as well as a hockey player. I like him a lot. I'm a big fan of Alex Belzil, and I hope uh, the organization will find a way to keep him for next year. And if he plays in Laval, I will uh, welcome him with open arms.
1: Yeah, I see on this list uh, Nicolas Baudin, uh, defenseman Corey Schooneman, uh Matthias Norlinder, uh, Justin Barron, and I'm going to get to a couple of them, but um, Norlinder, I. I Based on the amount of young defensemen that they have, Anthony, I don't see Norlander and the Montreal Canadiens working out going forward. I just don't.
2: Well, it's going to be tough.
1: Wrong organization for him, just too many players in front of him.
2: Yeah, the the cupboards are full on the left side of the defense for sure. Yeah, And um, we didn't see – yeah, I think Norlander improved his play all year. But we never saw that gifted offensive defenseman like they sold us when they drafted him.
1: Yeah, we were told he could quarterback a power play.
2: Yeah, but we never saw an inch of it in the AHL. It it didn't come close to it. Nicolas Baudin is way better than Norlander to, to play on the power play to move the puck. Norlander has something good in his play. He's a good skater. Uh, can play with pace, but defensively, even if he improved himself, he's still a liability in his uh, in the defensive position. So I don't see how uh, it will take a miracle to see him work his way through the ranks on the left side of the defense. Good kid, but I don't see a potential for him in Montreal. Maybe elsewhere, yeah. but clearly not in Montreal. There are way better options than him right now.
1: You know, Corey Shuneman is a guy that every time they call him up, I mean, he does the job. Not more, not less. He does the job. I mean, when Marty St. Louis took over last year, uh, Schuneman caught his eye. But once again, too many young defensemen in front of him. And the problem with Shuneman is I find Anthony, he does everything good, but he does nothing great. And I'll add, I'm not so sure he does anything very good. It's just good in all the categories. There's no X factor there to propel him over the others.
2: Serviceable NHL player, excellent AHL player. That's how I see Corey Shuneman. Yeah. He's a guy that you can, can keep in the organization on an NHL two-way contract, and you can call him up where, when there's a rash of injuries, but I don't I don't see anything more. He's, he's in exactly the same situation as Louis Belpidio last year with Laval. De- didn't get a, a really good chance in the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Look elsewhere, play for Lehigh Valley this year, the farm club of uh, Philadelphia. Didn't have the chance to get called up in the NHL as well. Those guys, and there are many of them around the AHL, they're good players, yeah, yeah. but they can't make the step to be regular full-time NHLers.
1: Justin Barron, I'm going to say this, okay? I saw him in camp uh, with the Canadians uh, in Brusard, And uh, he got knocked off the puck. Um, he got hit a couple of times. He wasn't able to get out of those tight spaces. Uh, he wasn't able to escape checks. His first pass, you know, it was okay. Skating is good. But um, he didn't look NHL ready. And clearly the Canadians saw the same thing because you know what? He started in Laval. But when he joined the Canadians, I mean, at one point, I think he had scored like three goals in a span of under two weeks or something like that, but he got involved in the play. He joined the rush. It looked like the weight of the world that was like at the beginning when he arrived in that trade from Colorado that sent Arturi Lekin into the avalanche. It looked like he fought the puck a little bit. It looked like oh Montreal pressure situation, stuff like that. He felt like he felt the pressure. He embraced it down the stretch. I have to tell you, I liked Barron. And now everyone's talking about the Canadians have so many young defensemen and clearly they're going to have to make way for others going forward. Lane Hudson's probably going to be here in a couple of years. And Logan Mayu is probably going to be here in a couple of years. And because of that, people are already looking at it. You know, is there one that's going to be out? Or is there two that's going to be out? Um, you know, I, 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 I'd I think twice if this young man's going to be in a deal going forward because he has something, Anthony. Hmm. Yeah, and,
2: and the organization is still really thin on the right side. So yeah. if you move Baron, uh you I who steps in to take his place right now? You don't you just have, have that.
1: You just have David Savard, correct?
2: Yeah, you're right. And I and, don't and, think Mayu is ready. They will play him in the, in Laval next year for a full year. I'm pretty sure about that. I agree and, with you. And I really think he needs it because he didn't didn't play a lot the last couple of years. So there's still games to be played for of Logan Mayu next year. Of course. So um on Justin Barron, you're exactly right. I saw the same thing when Montreal called him up. I I thought it was uh, too too quick. Maybe I, I yeah. thought that he would play at least forty games in Laval. He played just twenty five. Yeah, um, but he was okay. It was all right, and he, and he improved his play down the stretch. Yeah, um, he has a good shot. Uh, from the from the point, for sure. Will he play on a power play in the NHL? I'm not really sure about that. Yeah, Maybe on the second yeah. wave, but at most. But I think he could be definitely a second or third pair defenseman if he can improve himself in the defensive zone, like he did at the end of the year. And it yeah. looked promising. You're right.
1: All right. So let's remove the chart. And uh, I'm going to finish it off. And I so appreciate your time, Anthony. We're on 50-plus minutes here. Uh, I don't know if you expected that, but uh, sorry if you didn't. All right, but you're too good. I'm on That's vacation,
2: Tony. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> no, well, you know what? The fact you're on vacation you shouldn't be on with me for 50 minutes. But yeah, <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, I wanna ask you two more. Okay, Caden um, Primo. When Caden Primo got called up to the Montreal Canadiens, there haven't been many performances that have been conclusive. Unfortunately for him, it's probably been the wrong time as well. This team has not been very good for a couple of years. They've hung him out to dry a couple of times. Even when he did have some pretty good games, unfortunately, he wasn't able to pick up too many wins. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on him to get Laval into the playoffs. And in the last two weeks, he probably played his best hockey. And in the last game, I think he made like 41 saves or something for a shot. Like he was, it was his best hockey. In the playoffs, he lost both games, but how did he do? And in your opinion, based on what you saw from him at the American Hockey League level, here's a young man who wants to play in the National Hockey League next year. I talked to Eric Engels of Sportsnet, sportsnet sportsnet.ca yesterday, and he said, Tony, it's not many teams do this, but I wouldn't discount it if it happened with the Canadians." That to start the season, they carried three goalies. Because if they don't have Primo with the big club next year, he's waiver eligible. I believe a team will take a chance on Caden Primo. He's young, he's six foot eight thousand, and he's got family genes. That's enough for people to take a chance. Um, I said to Eric. So I like Jake Allen, but he's reached his ceiling. And by the time the Canadians are a contender, Jake Allen won't be here anyway. So, based on that, I would be worried if Caden Primo was waiver eligible. I would rather keep Primo here. Now, many people don't believe in him, and that's fine. And in the end, they might be right. But all I'm saying is, why take a chance when if you can move Allen, Allen's not going to get you in the playoffs next year anyway. I mean, at least I i mean, I mean, would be shocked. Is the NHL ready in your opinion, Anthony? And if he does go to waivers and they lose him, do you think that this is a player who may make them end up regretting it?
2: Look, I've always been... A uh, huge advocate for Caden Primo. Uh, I really believe in it, uh, in his capabilities of becoming an NHL goaltender, and I think he's really close from becoming one. Uh, you're right. Uh, he was the go-to guy at the end of the year. I think he played like 30 of the last 32 games of the Laval Rocket at the end of the season with. Um, the necessity of winning most of those games to qualify for the playoffs. So for those of you who thinks that, well, he plays in the AHL, doesn't have the pressure of the NHL, well, at least um, he was the guy to bring the team to the playoffs, and he did it. He was outstanding down the run. Only one game was he uh, pretty, like, not really good against Cleveland, and I received a ton of messages on Twitter that people were ready to cancel Primo forever. They don't see him in the picture. But then the next three games, he, win, he wins them all, and the team qualifies for the playoffs. So I think he was outstanding, was stellar uh, in, the, in Friday night's game in Utica, all uh, the fort until overtime where they lost, but he was tremendous just before then. Look, what you said is really interesting, I think it could happen if they they aren't able to move Allen elsewhere. But if the Florida Panthers lost Sam Montalbos to waivers for Montreal, I think Montreal would definitely lose Caden Primo. And when you invest energy, time, and money over five years of development on a goaltender, you don't want to waste him for nothing. So if you want to trade him, fine, but you won't get what he really – what really is worth on the market. So mm-hmm. that's the decision that they have to, to make. Should we keep him and really test him in the NHL or we take the chance to expose him, but you got to know that uh, it's a re- really it's a real possibility that you will lose him for nothing.
1: All right. In ending, it's a tough question, but you're a big boy and I know that you'll answer it um, as well as you can. Is Jean-François Hull the coach for this team going forward? Yes or why? Is he the right man for the job? We know he can do the job. We know that. But in terms of playing the way the Canadians play, so when the players go up, they're playing the same system, having the same philosophies, having the same ideologies, having the same concepts, helping out with player development, uh Everything that they're trying to put in place here, is he a fit in everything they're doing or could there be a better fit?
2: Well, I think Martin Saint-Louis explained for us what the organization really thinks about Jean-François Hall at the end of the season. When Harvey Pinard was having a lot of success with his team, he told uh, the media members that J.F., was doing a tremendous job in Laval because when we call call guys up, they're ready to play and they fit right in. So I think JF is doing a good job. Uh, two seasons at the helm of the team, and uh, he qualified for the playoffs each and every time. Good run last year to the semifinals, and this year where uh, he had a depleted lineup for over three months, he was able to to take the best out of a of most of his lineup to get them in the playoffs. So he deserves a lot of credit. I don't know how Kent Hughes and the old organization sees him because he's not their man. They didn't hire him. But what I see is an excellent AHL coach. He's close from his guys. He believes in them, talks with them a lot. He's a player coach. So I don't think you will find a better man to hold the fort in Laval elsewhere. I think JFL is perfectly fine.
1: Anthony, this was a first for you tonight on the SIG podcast. I'm hoping it was not the last. I'd love to talk to you more often going forward uh, because uh, you know what? This is like the fastest hour uh, probably that I've done ever since I started, which was about two and a half years ago. It just seemed like the time flew and we had ourselves just a great casual conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did.
2: For sure, I don't have the chance to talk in English as often as I want to. But at yeah. least my parents, uh, all their English courses that they made me do early on in my life, at least it served. So that's yes. a good thing.
1: Well, I'll tell you right now that your English is better than my French. And I'm actually making some money working in French. So who knows? Uh, you, Just you a can little work... bit of money. It's better. It's better. It's better. <laughs> it's better. It's better than my French. I can tell you that. Anthony, thanks again. You have a great night. All right.
2: Thank you very much. Merci uh, it's beaucoup. been a pleasure. And uh, I'll always, re- I'll, I'll always ready, be ready for to answer the bell for you, my friend.
1: Merci beaucoup. J'apprécie énormément. Merci, Anthony. Anthony Marcotte from BPM Sport. Thank you, Anthony. All right. There you have it. Uh, okay. Uh, once again, our guest tomorrow night. I hope you enjoyed Anthony as much as I did. Once again, I really think he's great. Our guest tomorrow night. Look at that. Look at this. We're going to bring it up right now. There you go. Mike Matheson will join me tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Same time, same place. It's the SICK Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast tonight, like it, share it with your friends, comment SICK, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. When i yellow, myself and Sammy and Juliana, see S-I-C-K all over the chat. We know that you're liking it, and uh, that makes us feel pretty good about what we are doing. If you're going to listen via Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. That's another way that we... Uh, can feel the love. So once again, Michael Matheson, tomorrow night on the Sick Podcast, tell your friends about it, share it, call your buddies up, maybe not now, because it's 11 o'clock at night, or maybe you can text them right now, say, hey, Mike is going to be on the Sick Podcast tomorrow night with Marinaro, and you can tell your buddies, I bet you it's going to be sick, just like Marinaro, he is sick, I am sick, The podcast is sick. You are my sick army. You are my sick community. For Agnello and Sammy and Master Control, they're Cavallaro and Marinaro.
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature.